I'm sitting here in my own house, minding my own business. Where you been? I don't think you can. I've been having a hell of a time. When I'm bad. End of question and answer period. Welcome to High Camp, the podcast where I try to watch all 406 movies from an out-of-print gay film guide before I die. I'm your host, Brian Rucker. And today I have a very special guest, a good friend of mine. She's an actress, a writer, a director. I'm so excited to have her here today. Amy Heights. Hi, thanks Hi. for having me. I'm super excited. Oh, good. I'm glad you're excited. Uh, yeah. I'm very excited to see you. I feel like I haven't seen you in a long time. It's been a minute. And uh, I'm so glad that you chose a John Waters movie. Well, uh, I was just excited for the opportunity to watch it because I like to front like I know a lot of movie stuff, but there are giant gaps in my um, in my education. Oh, totally. Me and too. the movies of John Waters... Uh, are in there like in the in recent years I've seen Serial Mom and Cry Baby seen Hairspray like mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of the later John Waters okay. or maybe mid because like he's still making movies so uh, probably... no the last movie that he made was in 2004 he made A was Dirty that... Shame oh okay uh, and since then he it's funny because like I think he must have the opportunity to make more movies but not at the budgets that he wants mm. because the movie business has changed so much so I think he gets offered uh these like two, three million dollar budgets. And he's like, no, I, you know, made, I'm, you know, in my seventies or whatever. I want to make, like, I want to have nice trailers. I, I don't want to piss in a port of yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Uh, which is sort of sad, but, uh, and I mean, also he's, like, he's like, I look at all the movies I already made for you people. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And what he's like an author. He goes on these tours. I mean, he, you know, is he's a producer. Elder totally. Yeah. Respect. Uh, so, so what would you call that, like, the 90s? I've seen a lot, some of the 90s John Waters. Okay. Yeah, I would say those are late. 90s. I mean, like, well, I think we'll, we'll talk about this specifically in relation to Polyester. Polyester was a super transitional movie for him. Mm. Um, and I think it's, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one to watch because, like, everything before Polyester is early John Waters mm. and everything after like the one the 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 movie he did after Polyester was Hairspray. Oh wow! So it, yeah, it was it was like totally a transitional movie for him and and for Divine. Oh my uh, god, Divine! Yeah, I like mid movie. I just stopped and started searching for like T-shirts with Divine's face on them. I know she's truly a treasure and like one of one of the greatest screen actors of all time. Oh my and god! I love like John Waters as a director and a writer, but uh, his movies definitely lost something without her. Like it was mm. that that perfect. Um, relationship between like an actor and a and a director yeah uh that yeah there's not many of examples of that um but before we get into the details of polyester uh is there anything recently that you're watching it doesn't have to be campy or whatever just like something that you've watched recently a movie or tv Mm -hmm. show that you'd want to recommend or that you think more people should be watching well again going back to the theme of like filling in the holes of my uh uh lack of knowledge and experience I just saw Do the Right Thing for the first Ooh. time. It's back in theaters right now. For oh, the, is it? It's the 30th fucking anniversary. Oh, cool. So I saw it at the Arclight over the weekend. And holy shit. Yeah. I I was blown away. Like, I mean, first of all, I, and you you know, like, it it's such an incredible movie. And it could not be more relevant. Yeah. It's, it's so exactly like taking the... It's the it's what's happening right now. Wow, yeah, I'd love to see it on the big screen because I I probably haven't seen it in I don't know ten years or so. It's uh, beautiful. It's so yeah. good. It just hits all the buttons, and then he just winds that tension up so tightly throughout the course of the movie, and then when he lets it go, it's yeah, it, you know, it's, it's a slow build. And his movies, that one especially, and then also um, Summer of Sam. I remember mm-hmm. it just like captures. Just that heat in Oof. New York in yeah. the summer, it, more than any other movies I can think of. Like, it, you know, we both used to live in New York, and uh, yeah, there's nothing like it. Those no. those hot summer. No, days. the only thing better is if you had the smell of vision with like a hot garbage <laughs> sure. smell, and then you'd be like, oh, now this experience is complete. Oh my god! Wow. Um, so it's playing at the Arclight. I'm sure it's playing other places yeah, they, too. Yeah, they released re-released it for oh, the cool. 30th anniversary, and um. I don't know how much longer it's going to be in theaters, yeah, yeah, but it was yeah. really beautiful to see. I always do better seeing movies in a theater because of my attention. Totally, yeah. And just like, I like the, the I just love the movie experience. Yeah. So whenever I can, I try to just see it in the theater. Yeah, I, I'm getting, I'm trying to get better at 
like watching whole movies at home and actually doing this podcast is, is good. Cause I like give myself homework every yeah. week and make myself, cause I'm also the type of person that like tries to watch a lot of new stuff, like everything that's coming mm-hmm. out, I, like try to watch it. Well, there's such a glut of uh, content yeah. and to try to stay on top of it and also go back and fill in the it's stuff too much it's and then it's like well what what am i doing with my life if all i'm doing is watching movies then it's like i'm a right. pure consumer and i'm not like creating anything but that's right. a whole deeper conversation that i can Jesus. have with my therapist yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah just save it uh get get it pay, get your money's worth uh oh my god so i and i i watched this a few weeks ago but i don't think i've ta- talked about it on the podcast i watched um the last black man in san francisco oh that's when i keep Did you, needing uh, to see yeah it. it's it. so beautiful it's um it's it's so old fashioned in a way mm. because it, it's just about this. Uh, it's like a coming of age story uh, about this young man and a friendship, and then sort of holding on to this myth of his family. Mm. Um, and then it's also about like San Francisco specifically and gentrification and all the horrible stuff that's happening there. Oh my god! But it it reminded me of the Glass Menagerie in a weird way Whoa. because it was like the language was so um, it was like poetic. But not overdone. It just—it just. That's amazing. I've never like seen anything like it. People who live in the past. Like, yeah, that's yeah. Really cool. Like he's trying to sort of bring the past into the present by by keeping this house that he that has been part of his family okay. for so long, but uh, they don't own it anymore. And it's like the only thing he's focused on is is keeping this house is like is regaining sort of the stature that his family used to have and he's not able to like move on. Jesus. That sounds like about as Tennessee Williams. Yeah. It's so Tennessee Williams. And like the, um, the main relationship between the two men, and this doesn't really have to do with camp per se, but it is this like old fashioned homoeroticism that I don't see in movies anymore because everyone is, thank God, like able to be, uh, be out or like, you know, talk about their identity. And I, it was, it was obviously a choice that, uh, they left the main relationship super ambiguous but for some reason i loved it i just love like and that reminded me of tennessee williams too sure um so yeah i would highly recommend that movie that's fantastic yeah i also i went to see reality bites at the cinespio over the weekend oh cool oh that was outside yeah it was really fun it made me feel 1000 years old oh my god i bet they played uh you know like the the dj like playing the like 90s mix before and i was like oh my god i haven't heard of some of these songs in you know totally 25 years yeah and people younger than us don't realize how important those movie soundtracks were oh my god like how how bi- those those were the ways that we got into like new music or uh-huh. bands that we hadn't heard of were, were just you know because you would get you would get the the reality bite cd because of my sharon or because of lisa Loeb or whatever yeah. and then there'd be, there'd be 10 other songs that you'd get into then you get spin yeah. the bottle by jill yeah. Salpio. <laughs> oh my god totally um and all that shit oh it's so good uh, it is That's such so cool. a the movie is so clearly written by a 23 year old though like the Ethan Hawke character is just so deeply problematic yeah, at this point. I, yeah, I, just emotionally abusive, oh. and just literally, so, like truly, the words come out of his mouth like, "I might be mean to you, and I might hurt you, and you just have to deal with it." Essentially, yeah, it taught a and whole then, generation of men like how to treat women. Yeah, and then like at the end, it's oh, his dad died. So okay. and he says he's sorry. So cool. All right, Interesting. guys, wrap this up. So did you did you find it like problematic in the like? Uh, were you not able to enjoy it? No, I totally could enjoy it. And the thing I had no... I have seen that movie so many times. Uh-huh. The thing I didn't know watching it, um, and it came up in the beginning credits, is that the the DP was Emmanuel uh, Lubezki. Oh, really? Chivo, okay? Yeah. Like, he's a three-time Oscar winner. I looked up stuff afterwards. He It was his first English-language movie. Wow. Um, and he went on to shoot, like, The Revenant, Tree of Life, Children of Men, Gravity, um, like... All of these insane movies. That's unbelievable. And Ben shot- Stiller directed it, yes. right? Yeah. So this, um, was this his first? Like- this is his first director. Okay, cool. Yeah. And he gives himself a couple like little hero oh moments yeah. that you can be like, oh, uh, which I totally would have done the same thing. But just watching it, no, I was watching like the the cinematography. A yeah, lot yeah, of yeah. That movie is way more gorgeous than it needs to be. Everyone looks like they're fucking glowing from within. He has lit the shit out of this movie. And you know how like his that dude's signature is like those long shots. Yeah. Of, like, yeah. Those long continuous shots. There are a few of them in this in the movie. Um in Reality Bites. Wow. Where like I I was like, oh I bet Ben Stiller got a lot of credit for this stuff, mm-hmm. but like now looking back, we can see it's that it was Chivo. DP. It's very cool to watch. Yeah. Well, yeah, in general, I feel like DPs don't get any 
credit. I mean, they do like within, you know, people that know what they're talking about yeah. or at the Oscars, but you think like the auteur theory, you just think it's like the director. Yeah. Um, and so much of it has to do with, with the DP. For sure. And though you can, you can see like the funny, the stuff that's funny, the funny, like hard, funny stuff you can see like, oh, yeah, Ben Stiller added totally. that in. Um, and then it's sort of married to this like 23 year olds, like angsty script. Right. It's, I still love it, but I, ha I have, I am unable to be objective about it. Yeah. Well, and, and it's it's not that often that you get like um, a 23-year-old screenwriter being able to like produce a, or to write a movie Fucking about giant. his own age or her yeah. own age. So it's like usually you get like people in like, a you know, Greta Gerwig is mm -hmm. in her mid-30s or whatever writing Lady, which is great. But it's like that, I mean, most 23-year-olds just don't have their shit together to like right. or have the opportunities. Totally. But yeah, it was totally That's happening cool. in real time for her. Yeah. And then she never wrote another movie. Really? <laughs> they never made it. I mean, I'm sure she wrote that, but I don't yeah. think she ever had another movie produced. Oh, that's so sad. Um, yeah, I don't know what, what really happened there. There's huh. also, it was a couple of things I've watched lately, and it I don't remember what, but like uh, the R word was like very casually uh -huh. tossed around in this movie. And... I don't know. I, I'm, I'm interested in pinpointing the time when we all decided, like, we're going to stop yeah. saying this. Stuff. We're going to call, stop calling people this word. Pretty recently. I think it was yeah, pretty recently. like I, I am no. I mean, I definitely would say that uh, relative as an adult. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. And I remember there's a line. There's a couple. There's a joke in Reality Bites that hinges on it. And um, I remember thinking it was so fucking funny. And yeah. then this time wow. it was just like a pin drop in the cemetery. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and it's. Like, I think we do have some, I don't know, sense of perspective or like we, you know, we wouldn't say that stuff, but we are not uh, totally shocked to hear other people's, especially if, you know, this piece of art or whatever is coming out 20 years ago. Sure. But um, yeah, younger kids are, I mean, and I don't, I don't want to be like, oh, these kids are too sensitive because I, <laughs> I think it's great, like all the progress that we made, but it right. is to... Uh, People are just shocked to hear that stuff. Yeah, for sure. And oh, it's in polyester. In polyester, too. yeah. They say, uh, well, I can say it. They say faggot in the first ten minutes. Oh yeah. Uh, and it is jarring, but it's like, oh, like this is not the craziest thing that has happened in a John Waters movie. And no, we'll talk about that. I swear to God, because I, I have seen polyester. So okay, here's my history with John Waters. Let's get into it. Um, so I think I saw Serial Mom like sort of soon after it came out mm -hmm. when I was, uh, I guess I would have been a young teenager. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know who John Waters was and I didn't have any like context to what that movie was. I just thought it was a funny movie. Did, yeah. Did it, did it, did you connect with it? Yeah, I liked it. But I think, um, the next movie that he made was Pecker. Oh, and I, I oh, Pecker. so it came, I was 16. Mm -hmm. Um, it came out in 1998 and it's about a young artist, a young photographer in Baltimore who, uh, really wants to move to New York and make his, um, make his way in New York and he has he's this sort of outsider photographer teen photographer and people like agents and 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 sort of art world people from New York say how brilliant he is and so it's sort of like a satire of the art world two questions yeah. okay, is this Edward Furlong we're talking is, yeah. about here and is his name Pecker yes got so it. his okay, I you. guess it's his nickname I don't know if it's, but everyone calls him Pecker. Got it. And that's sort of the whole joke. Like there's not much <laughs> more to that joke. Yeah. Uh, but I loved that movie. I was like obsessed with moving to New York mm -hmm. um, when I was, you know, 16. And it was like this fantasy of like, oh, I'm this cool teen and I'm just going to be plucked from obscurity. <gasps> and the, 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 the moral of the movie is like, oh no, you don't want to get ca caught up in all this commercial art stuff. And okay. there's, you know, allusions to Cindy Sherman. I think Cindy Sherman actually has a cameo in the movie. All these Fabulous. art people that I immediately was like, I looked up and to see who they yeah. were. But anyway, so that got me into John Waters. And then I think I started watching Polyester a lot and I'm looking back on it because it, out of his early movies, it was the only one that was rated R that I was al <laughs> literally allowed to rent from, the, from Blockbuster that they would even carry. Because I wow. don't think Blockbuster carried... Pink Flamingos yeah, or Female Trouble. And so I would watch Polyester a lot. And then I think after I somehow got my hands on a copy of Pink Flamingos and Female Trouble, then I don't think I really watched Polyester anymore. Mm. And I don't think until last night, I don't think I had seen Polyester since I was in high school. Wow. So parts of the movie... I remember so well mm. and parts I were like literally have no memory of like <laughs> what was the copy that I saw like cut up. I have, I have oh, no wow. idea. Um, but yeah, so you and John Waters, you, you've seen most of his later movies, but not anything like, I haven't seen his like okay. early formative, like the stuff he's truly famous. Yeah. Yeah. For. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and I, I, I think I knew that Pink Flamingo was the one with the dog shit, yes. and I didn't feel ready for that one yet. <laughs> that's like not. It's funny. That's the most famous thing, but that is like maybe the fifth most disturbing movie <gasps> to oh, me. Oh boy! Oh boy! God, why did I? Uh, why did I? Why didn't I watch that movie before I quit doing drugs? That's oh, my main question. Oh God! I know. I'm furious with myself right now. Uh, um, yeah. I yeah I uh, polyester. Honestly, I will. I didn't know where it fell in the line. It yeah. just seems like, oh, that's one that I know that I should see. That it was uh, on one of the easy, more easily accessible ones because you can't find a lot of them. Yeah, Pink Flamingos is not streaming anywhere. Yeah. You have to, um, I mean, I think you can buy it on DVD. And I imagine, so what's happening with Polyester and I think is why we're doing Polyester specifically today is because there's going to be a Criterion release of Polyester mm. on September 14th, which... I think is going to be soon after this episode drops, if I'm doing my math right. Great. Uh, so hopefully everyone will be able to see like a better version of polyester than we saw, which the one that we, you just streamed it on Amazon. Yeah. That's what, yeah. And it was fine, except, so I do remember, so the conceit of polyester, and I guess we'll just start talking about this, is uh, a thing called odorama. <laughs> and so the very first scene of the movie is this like German scientist explaining to the audience what odorama is. Oh, and he is committing. Oh, that yeah. dude is committing to the bit. It's like, uh, who's the like weird German Disney cartoon duck that like is sort of related to Donald Duck what? and he teaches you math. Do you remember this? No. There was like, it was like Lud Ludwig von Duck maybe? I don't know. I, I'm, uh, yeah. Okay. He reminded me of him. Uh, but so he, so, and, and if you were in the theater, um, you, every audience member got this odorama card. Oh. And I remember in whatever VHS copy of polyester I used to watch, they would actually put up the number during the movie and, and you would sniff the, uh, the card when the number. But you got a card with your VHS. Well, no, I, I never had a card, but just on the screen, they would show the number. So I saw numbers. Oh. I watched it. I think I got it through iTunes. Oh, so the Amazon version doesn't have any numbers. They don't numbers. show the numbers? No. Oh, no. We, okay, I definitely so saw I'm the not numbers. making that up. Okay, no, no, no. cool, cool, cool. So the Amazon version is shit. So don't if you're use watch it, Amazon. Go to iTunes. Or wait till September 14th or, and get it from Criterion, which we're not getting any money from. No, but I give them money every month for their streaming. Oh, service. me too. I love it. Except since I started doing this, I'm like only watching these like old gay campy movies. <laughs> and I, I tried to watch most of the um, Colombian noirs Ooh. that they had on. I got like. I got over half of them. I nice. Think. Uh, so I got sucked into Below Deck, and I, I had a, wait. So okay, we can have another podcast about. I need that. more Bravo shows, which I never thought I would oh, say. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll help you. Okay, cool. We'll do we'll do a Bravo podcast next. Um, so polyester, and I'll just talk a little bit about yeah, yeah. John Waters because I I'm not a John Waters Teach scholar, me, but me, so yeah, he's sort of what got me into like these type of movies or like indie weird movies in general. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember, you know, Pecker was like a formative thing for me. Um, David Lynch, when Lost Highway came out, Ooh. that was like a big deal. And then I sort of got into Lynch and uh, my other like big one was uh, Lars von Trier, Breaking the Waves, uh, which I saw when I was like 14. I'm shit. fucked up. Oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, but I loved all that shit. Yeah. And, and yeah. And, um, and so polyester, so John Waters in his set in the seventies, he did, uh, Mondo Trasho, multiple maniacs, and then pink flamingos came out in 1972. And that was like a super big cult movie. It was, you know, this outrageous, like midnight movie that everyone sort of had to see because of the dog shit. And because of there's, um, animal cruelty, chick, there's a whole chicken fucking scene. Someone uh, fucks a chicken. They fuck and a chicken is between them and it dies while they're fucking. In real, oh, they really yes, killed yes, a chicken. Yes, yes, yes. They probably killed multiple chickens, oh, depending right. on how many takes they had to do. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, and, oh, uh, a mother gives a son a blowjob. Jesus um, Christ. Which, I mean, it's divine and the, the guy playing uh, her son, so it's not like a real <laughs> mother's son, but still, like, it's very... Do you see any of this? Oh, yeah, you see it all. You see blowjob happening? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. And actually, my cat, Crackers, is named after that character. Divine Son is named Crackers <laughs> in Pink Flamingo. So that's a little piece of trivia. Nice. You gotta uh, get another cat named it Cuddles. I know. Oh god, we'll talk about Edith Massey. Fucking oh, Cuddles. Holy shit. So um so then yeah, Pink Flamingos and then Female Trouble, which I still think is John Waters' masterpiece. Mm. That is sort of 
the perfect marriage of Divine's performance and like a little bit more narrative heft than Pink Flamingos, but still like almost as outrageous. And it's all about uh, fame and violence. And it's so out of any of his movies, this is, I think, the one that like holds up the best wow. about like what we're about, you know, school shootings and and social media, all the stuff that we're Jesus. talking about was was predicted by by female trouble. Wow. And then he did a movie called Desperate Living, which I haven't seen in a long time. And that is a weird one because Divine's not in it. Mm. She was out, I think, in San Francisco doing like drag shows and stuff. And so um, it's a little, it's weird. It still has Mink Stoll and Edith Massey, so it's worth seeing. Um, and then in 1981, that's when Polyester comes out. And this is um, his first like sort of commercially released movie. Uh, I mean, it's still like low budget, but I think it was the first, I mean, it was the first one that was rated R. And so I think it was the first one that was in like normal theaters okay. that like normal people would see. Mm-hmm. Um, and also had Tab Hunter, who, you know, this was 25 years after his prime, but he still had like a name. And yeah, he was, but he was like out, right? No. So he. When did he come out? He came out not until like 2006. Oh, shit. Um, okay. There's actually a good documentary about him. He just died. I within just the looked last him year. up because yeah. I was like, I think this guy's. Like, was out. I, I didn't know anything I think about he it. probably was out to, like, his friends and family, but, sure. like, to Hollywood in general. And I think it was I mean, the like type of thing. I mean, like, starting in a John Waters movie, doesn't that yeah, serve as, like, coming out? Yeah, you would think. Out? Except people were so stupid back then. Yeah, and I don't right. even, like, I think people might have seen Polyester and not realized that Divine was a man. I, I bet you're absolutely right. Yeah. Like, I was just looking on um, IMDb, like, user reviews, and people were saying that when they saw the movie in the first, they just had no context for drag queens or, sure, yeah. or you know transvestites or whatever uh and then after polyester then comes you know hairspray crybaby serial mom these big hits mm-hmm. and then and then sort of slides back down with <laughs> with pecker uh seth will be demented and then 2004 a dirty shame which i do not think is a great movie but unfortunately that's his last is that selma blair with some gi- giant yes. fake titties selma blair that's with giant fake titties that, and johnny knoxville who Ooh. i think is not bad in the movie. I think it was. It's just like John Waters. It's John Waters's type, honestly. Like that sort of mm-hmm. skater boy, yeah, dude. That it, yeah, yeah. So he's he's not bad in it, but it's not great. Um, and so so yeah. So this is transitional for John Waters, and then also transitional, I think, for Divine, because like before this in Pink Flamingos and in. Um, uh, female trouble she was playing these like psychopaths these like oh. murderous crazy people okay and in this she's like a victim in like the the classic like douglas sirk way absolutely uh and she's so great at both of them um it's crazy how good she was in this i was not expecting i don't know what i was expecting and i forgot like i haven't seen hairspray in years yeah, and yeah. years so yeah, it's sort of similar to the the character she plays in hairspray. yeah these yeah. That this just sort of like put upon uh, housewife the put upon housewife yeah. and again i haven't seen a ton of I don't know if if any Douglas Sirk stuff, but yeah. it was easy to see that like oh this is a this is a send up of those like melodramas, of that world, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Like, kitchen sink melodrama, um, yeah, yeah, and she I mean she's just such a brilliant actor oh and is God. able to like be so outrageous and yet there's like truth in everything she does, which I don't know that it's amazing. It's really it was really wonderful it, watching like it felt like watching. Uh, like a like a comedian to artist something like giant but yeah so personal she was just selling the shit out of all of it those and then so by the time she's doing like these giant eye rolls and like pulling these giant faces it's still all it goes with it it just like all flowed it seemed really effortless yeah it's like seamless those big moments with a smaller I mean, and she was able to, like, a lot of drag queens, I think, don't really know how to act for the camera. Sure. As we can all see on RuPaul's Drag Race every week. Oh, bless. But she is able to, like, yeah, be super big and then, and then just, and then just be in it with everyone else. And for some, for some reason, I don't know how, but John Waters can usually get all these very disparate types of performers. Mm. Everyone from, like, a super trained actor to a drag queen to, like, a speed freak off the street. And they're all... In the same movie somehow. Yeah. Which is like, so, I don't know how he does it. Totally. And like that old fucker who played her husband. Oh my God. So yeah, he Who's is. that a, guy? Uh, his name is something Sampson, I think. He's in like a bunch of John Waters movies. Uh, he's definitely, David Sampson. Yeah. He's like a local Baltimore actor who is in a few of these movies, but he is truly disgusting in this movie. Yeah. He's Divine's, uh, or D- Divine plays Francine Fishpaw. And he is her disgusting um, porn theater owner husband. 
Right off the bat, yeah. They just set him up as like a scumbag who doesn't give a shit about his wife. Oh my God. So let me read a little bit of Paul Rowan's review of Polyester. So if this is the first episode of High Camp you're listening to, this podcast is based on uh, a duo of books also called High Camp by a librarian from Duluth, Minnesota named Paul <laughs> Rowan, who was not a professional film critic, just a gay dude who loved movies. And he wrote about 400 of them. Um, oh, Paul. Yeah, we, is, is Paul still with us? Unclear. Oh. I have Ooh. never seen an obituary. I believe he is still with us. He would be in his 80s. <gasps> I can't find really any information. Paul. So I, I hope, I hope that he's still alive and I, I hope that somehow he finds a way to contact me because I'd love to talk to him and I hope he's like not mad at me for basically like stealing the name of his books. But whatever, who knows. Um, So I'll just read part of this. Polyester is a satirical send up of those tacky, deeply reactionary melodramas of sin and retribution, which enjoyed a certain disreputable popularity in the 50s and 60s. Divine, the famous 300-pound transvestite, is cast in the sort of masochistic role which, once upon a time, would probably have been played by someone like Dorothy Malone or Susan Hayward. When first encountered, she's clad only in undergarments. We perceive that she is preoccupied with matters olfactory. We watch as she shaves her armpits and applies a deodorant spray. This is merely in keeping with the picture's promotional gimmick, which is called Odorama, and consists of 10 haunting fragrances preserved for posterity on a souvenir scratch and sniff card. And then he goes on to say, Divine is absurdly compelling in her overplayed hysterical reactions to disaster. At any rate, she hits all the notes. Mink Stoll is another distinctive screen presence. With her hair arranged in undernourished Bo Derek cornrows, she resembles a crazily debauched Audrey Hepburn. However, it's Edith Massey who steals the show. She's a snaggletooth saint who, despite her utter lack of acting ability, somehow strikes a note of genuine pathos, the only one in the movie, touching our hearts and winning our affection through her simple-minded sincerity, her dim-witted devotion and unswerving loyalty to poor, embattled Francine. (laughs) As for Tab Hunter, it's just too bad they don't give Oscars for good sportsmanship. Accurate. All very accurate. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's great. Uh... So, okay, so yeah, this movie starts, like you said, under the conceit that I guess Francine has, like, this overdeveloped sense of smell. She can just, like, sniff out everything. Yeah. I mean, I did, I truly came into this movie knowing nothing about <laughs> it. Um, not knowing that it was a send-up, not knowing anything. So I was like, okay, polyester. Why is this called polyester? Yeah, yeah, yeah. First thing you see is her pulling up her girdle. Yeah. And, like, so it's about, like, polyester is, like, some is fake shit, right? Polyester is synthetic. It's something that's, like, her, like... That's, I just, it felt, by the end of the movie, I was like, oh, her, I felt like her smelling was her trying to, like, get at the truth. Yeah, because her life is so, it's like, well, and I think polyester is synthetic, but it also is this marker of, like, middle class or upper middle class. Mm. Dumb, what, what, another interesting thing about polyester, it's, I think, the first of his movies that really takes place in that sort of suburban middle to upper middle class um, milieu that John Waters actually grew up in because his movies before that were all really sort of like like it was in they were in trailer parks and they were with oh. like druggies and hippies and like it was this counterculture thing and mm-hmm. then this was yeah poking fun of this this polyester synthetic stuff yeah so I guess that so it feels like her she's always the first to smell something yeah so like there's something about her trying to like break through huh. and get to like the truth of this like because the like the fakeness of the American dream, the totally. fakeness of the like two the like nuclear family and the house and the husband and the yeah. kids, everything fucking falls apart right in front of her right. eyes. Right. When like her sense of smell obviously is is super developed and sh- she's getting at the truth through that, but like she's also completely like she's blind to because her it's not like it's a secret. Like her husband is truly horrible. Her kids are. Openly so, hostile to her. More, I mean, they're they're both like they're ass, both, like should be they're criminally insane. Yeah. Like one of them actually, they say it, like we're letting him go because he's criminally insane. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's he, she has two kids. She has uh, this daughter Lulu, who's like this like I don't know like fifties uh, sort of bad girl. This actress, I was so in love with her. Yeah, she truly just was just like on screaming uppers the first half totally. of the movie, and then just like switched to downers halfway through the movie when she becomes like. The hippie. Hippie, yeah. But, like, every scene she's in the first, like, she, I was like, did she just do a fistful of diet pills before she came out here? She never stops moving. No. She's wiggling. She's shimmying. Every line is, like, 
some five like fifth grader like in the school play yeah just screaming totally and she like will open a beer she like there was one scene where she's open beer she's like beer (laughs) like she opens like a soda later and it's like everything is a celebration but like she hates her mother oh yeah and then her son is this guy this teenager who has a foot fetish Mm -hmm. and he goes around stomping women's feet i gotta tell you i didn't I just didn't see it coming. Like, I saw the foot fetish stuff at the beginning, okay. and there was something on the news about the Baltimore foot oh, stomper, and I was like, oh, that's funny. And then when he... I, cause I just I just assumed that his foot fetish was going to be him wanting to, like, fuck feet. Yeah. And then the first time he stomped on that lady's foot, I laughed so fucking hard. It's funny, right? Oh, my God. Just the idea, first of all, that there's a local maniac called the Baltimore foot stomper. Yeah. I, I don't know what's funnier than that. Yeah, it's so silly, but it's so... And he, he he's like this, you know, disturbed teenager with like spiky hair or whatever. And both of the actors that play the kids I thought are very good. And I don't think like they ever did anything. I don't then. think yeah. they're like professional actors no, either. Yeah. But they were, yeah. I love them both so much. Um, And so... So then we have uh, Francine's best friend who's played by... Edith Massey. So had you never seen Edith Massey in a movie before? I have before? seen a still of her talking okay. about like homosexual, that, that quote, I don't know which movie, it might be from Female, Female Trouble. Female Trouble where she's in the leather. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, no, I don't know anything about Edith Massey. So she's But I instantly fell in love. Yeah, she's so, she has such an amazing presence. She is this older woman who I literally do not know. She maybe has some sort of developmental disability. Unclear. Unclear. Um, but she doesn't have very many teeth and Ooh. she's not what you would consider a classically trained actress, <laughs> but she has such she a, looks like a troll that looks, crawled out from know, under her bridge. She does look like a troll doll. Yeah. Um, but apparently John Waters found her. She was like, um, I guess she like used to be literally like a dock hooker <gasps> in like the forties and fifties in Baltimore. And then when she sort of aged out of that, she opened up like a thrift stop, a thrift shop. Oh my God. And so. When John Waters was a teenager, he and his friends would like go and like buy crazy clothes from her, mm. and then he just started casting her because she's like a, a like a generation older than the rest of them. Yeah. Um, and I I love like she's great in this, and she plays um, uh, Cuddles, who is this cleaning lady who I guess came into a whole lot of money, got an inheritance from one of her other uh, clients, her old boss. Yeah, and now is like. A debutante, basically, like oh an elderly, God. developmentally disabled debutante. She's like, I have money now. I'm going to like have the life. Yeah. That I so she's always wanted. She's always in like polo gear <laughs> and like she has a debutante ball. But with those two teeth just I hanging know. out. Oh my oh. God. And it is weird, like, because I do think I don't know. There's some sort of sense of like exploitation and like are people laughing at her? But I I don't like. She's always seems to be having so much fun and yeah. like she I think. And John Waters and Divine, all these people were like true friends. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't have an issue with it. I don't. It doesn't yeah. feel exploitative. It didn't for me. Yeah. Like, and and maybe I'm not the right person to judge that. But like, she felt very like in charge of what yeah, she yeah, was yeah. doing. It yeah, wasn't by, like go stand stand over there and say something and you don't know this, but this will be funny. Totally. Like it felt. She, I don't. I, yeah. Like. In this yeah, movie, it felt like she she knew what she was doing. Because this was, like, she'd already been in um, Pink Flamingo's Female Trouble and Desperate Living. So she, like, sort of knew what she was doing. Yeah. Uh, I think, like, in Pink Flamingo's, you can tell, like, she's, because she plays um, Divine's mother in that. Mm. And she's basically in a in a diaper in a playpen the whole time eating eggs. And she's, like, called the egg lady because oh. she's obsessed with eggs and, and has Christ. a crush on the egg man who's, like, the milkman, but he delivers Is eggs. Is it okay if I never see this movie? <laughs> no, you have, you have to come back and you have to see it. We have to talk about it. Cause, okay. Uh, this is... Pink Flamingos, when I was like... So upset just hearing about... When I was like in college in my early 20s, like dating for the first time, that would be... Every first date, you're like... Not every first date, but like pretty soon after. I was like, if they can hang, yeah. yeah. Uh, Which drove off a lot of... But you know what? Fuck them. (laughs) You know what it did? It weeded them out. It weeded them out, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But yeah, so she's like Francine's friend. And then Francine has this horrible mother. Oh, right. um, Who I don't think has been in any other John Waters movies. I don't really recognize her, but mm-hmm. she's sort of this like Chanel clad, uh, you know, like older, sort of like the mom and Gilmore girls reminded me of. Oh, sure. But just like busted. Yeah. Like she seemed like she was like the star of some community theater in I'm Baltimore. Sure. See, to me, she's, she seemed like comparatively like a classically trained actress. I mean, compared to the rest of them. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Sure. 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 But sure. yeah, I'm sure. Right. 
No, she is like the grand dame yeah, of yeah, the yeah. Baltimore regional. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and everyone's accent. I mean, if you guys haven't seen like an old John Waters movies, these accents, I don't think that they exist anymore in Baltimore. I mean, I've like traveled to Baltimore a handful of times. I never see anyone that t- talks like this. I've heard of these Baltimore accents. Yeah. And then sometimes on the wire when you're like... Oh, yeah. Some of the people at the school... Uh, I forget season four where, where you're like, oh, that's a local. Cause yeah, they, they, that's true. The way they talk is so strange because that Baltimore accent. It is a weird accent. So weird. Um, and yeah, never used to better effect than in John Waters movies. Um, oh. so immediately, uh, we we know the kids are horrible, and then oh, and then Francine um sniffs out this receipt from a motel, <laughs> and she knows that her husband is having an affair with. Mink Stoll, who is sort of the other leading lady in all these John Waters movies. Yes, she's the Pussy Willows lady from uh from, from Serial Mom. Mom. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. She looks fully like Lady Gaga in this movie. Uh, totally. With the cornrows and the and the brown panty set. Uh, I really, I really admire. She's how a great j- villain. Such a yeah. good villain. Just willing to just be so com- horrible, truly unlikable. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's she's pretty much the villain and like or like the antagonist in mm. all of these movies, like against Divine. Now, can you just quickly like Minkstall? Clearly, not a real man. No, but she's a she biological. Yeah, woman? she's yeah she's a biological woman. I believe that she and all of them were sort of like friends in high school, oh, and okay. they started making movies together. And I think she just took the name Minkstall. I don't I don't really know what her real name is. Great, um, and she's still kicking. Like um, she's yeah. I think she's maybe the only actor that's in every single one of John Waters wow. movies. I think so, something like that. She's um, great. Yeah, her, she's great. Cornrows on a white woman. I think even it's then... It's a full copy of the Bo Derrick. Yeah, I guess I so. Okay. Up, I paused okay. and looked up 10 and it had come out like the year I before. I see, okay. Maybe two. Yeah, yeah, just a full copy of that like horrible... Oh my God. No white lady should ever have that hair. No. And okay, so here's another scene at the beginning of the movie that I totally don't remember and I'm almost positive that it might have been like excised from the VHS copy <gasps> that I watched as a kid was the scene where... So the daughter has this gross like punk rock boyfriend Bobo Bobo who's played by a punk rock guy um named Stiv Baders who I'd never heard of yeah but so he uh what does he take a broom at the beginning (laughs) yeah so they go they go around and they basically hate crime people but they just smack them they smack them yeah which made me laugh so I was like shocked by it so there's first it's um like a Hasidic Jew and they didn't even put together oh my god they victims were yeah him and then they have uh, an Asian woman. Oh yes, and they oh, and, and the they smack her. And then the, the really choir. large black lady, um, but she fights back. She she hijacks the bus. Yeah, she, she bus jacks. She this, like, right. city bus. And then she ends up following them and like biting their tire with her teeth, <laughs> and then beat him up. Yes, it was very strange. And that's I think. Oh, he calls um, another suitor of the daughter. He calls him a faggot oh that little blonde uh, yeah boy. that little blonde yeah. boy uh who i mean not wrong probably but, i mean <laughs> but yeah it was don't, that, don't that, out anyone no, else, but yeah. yes. that whole thing was like very shocking to me and like that was the one part where i am like oh i don't you, you obviously are saying like hate crime hate crimes are bad and yet you are meant to like laugh with these victims in a weird way truly i didn't even piece together the the the, the victims um were all non-white but i the, I just laughed so hard at the the idea that these tough kids were getting out there and the what they were doing was just swatting them on the butt That's with true. a broom. That's true. It made me laugh really hard. And then yeah. when that lady took that buzz over, I was oh like, my oh, god! Yeah. She bit a hole in his tire. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. So then, so then we see sort of Francine's life disintegrate more and more. Mm. Her husband leaves her for Mink Stoll. Her kids are horrible, and she starts um, like drinking heavily. She turns to the bottle, yeah. as as many do. And you just see her get more and more drunk and her makeup gets like, there's like less and less makeup. You see like a five o'clock shadow. You see like, it's like divine is coming apart. Uh, and it is truly, I mean, to watch, to watch her do this is truly a gift for us all. Like it's, it's so great. Yeah. Just so wonderful. And then the, just the way that they talk about like, I gotta get to my alcoholic meeting. Yeah. Oh, just yeah, like, I was like, are, were they not allowed to say Alcoholics Anonymous? Because they just kept saying alcoholic meeting. And I, I think sure it was just more of a, ge- general, I think it was just playing into like the general melodrama and ignorance yeah. of like, of of that kind of world. Okay. 
just hitting on like the basic tropes of what people know. Yeah. So you mm-hmm. have like them making fun of because the the AA people are super crazy. Mm-hmm. And they um, all scream. They all at her. scream. Which I've never <laughs> been to an AA meeting, but I imagine that's not probably how it goes. Right. Um, and then the kids get worse and worse. So so um, Lulu gets impregnated by um, Bobo, Oof. and and she like. She really wants to have an abortion, which is, you know, every woman's choice. I love uh, the way they handled all of this, though. Like, through the filter of, like, what the, like, the 50s and 60s. Yeah. Like, um, conser- ultra conservative. Like, through the, like, that the fact that she wants to have this abortion is this, like, ultimate act of betrayal. For sure. And it's, like, it's both, like, painting her character as super, um, like, unfeeling that she wants to have an abortion. But then oh, yeah. also, I think, like, John Waters equally makes fun of the anti-abortion people. Yes. Cause also like Baltimore, this movie and I didn't grow up Catholic, but this movie is very much, um, like poking fun of Catholicism. Mm. And I think all of his, all of his movies are cause he grew up Catholic, Got it. but like it all sort of takes place within sort of the culture of like Catholicism or Christianity or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I, I felt very much like this movie was being made in good faith. Like, Oh yeah. yeah by yeah. people who feel the same way I do. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So even when it's like, she's just like hell bent like bloodthirsty for an abortion you're you're i you it's a it's a send-up of all of it yeah, it's not yeah, like yeah. she's actually the bad person oh no and the fact that define is like drunk slobbering um like literally alcohol coming out of her pores saying i'll raise the baby we'll raise the baby together you're like yeah, yeah. none of these are great solutions no uh so then, but then she doesn't even have the abortion because she ends up having a miscarriage. Well, she takes her to a she home takes... for unwed mothers. Oh, that's unwed right. Mothers. Oh yeah, the and nuns then like kidnap pack her. Of, like evil nuns that take them on a hayride in the rain. That's right. Oh my god, that was so funny. That was so weird. Forcing them to go on a hayride in the rain was just, just like it just makes so it's it's such perfectly illustrates like the absurdity of like the Catholic Church. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an enforced activity. That is for your enjoyment, and you're going to do it even though it's not enjoyable, and no one wants to. Yeah, do it. I that it seems like so specific. I wonder if that exact thing like happened to John Waters as a kid, like just the fact the hayride in we the race. We have a hayride schedule. Yeah, yeah, so we're doing it. Yeah. Uh, oh, those nuns. I mean, yeah, truly evil nuns. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, okay, so then it's like halfway through the movie at least, and we still haven't come to Tab Hunter. I kept waiting for this. You'd see him every once. Yeah, in a you'd see him like, like watching her. Being dreamy. And so he is, uh, he was like sort of, um, you know, a leading man, like teen actor in the late fifties and early sixties. So beautiful. Um, I guess like he had a Southern accent in this. I'm not sure if Mm -hmm. he always has a Southern accent. I mean, that name Tab, that just sounds like But it's a fake name. It's he had the same agent that Rock Hudson had and they all like sort of created these like very masculine names for all these actors. Um, so like he, he was in, uh, let's see, he was in damn Yankees. And he was in um, a couple other like big movies, and then he mostly was uh, relegated to like teen beach comedies. Mm. And then, yeah, I don't think he had because well, he was not out of the closet, but I think it was sort of like an open secret. Yeah. So I think that probably contributed to like him not because he was just as good looking as any like leading man of the sixties and seventies. Oh, absolutely. Uh, he should have like been starring on some sort of like TV show. Or yeah, something. like Dallas or yeah. something like that. Totally. Um, but this was like a big comeback for him because. Uh, so he plays this character named Todd Tomorrow, which is so perfect. And he's this like beautiful man who somehow is like very attracted to Francine. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, you see him a couple of times, but then the first time they really interact is he is, he's like witnessed a terrible car accident. Yes. Where someone's head has popped yeah, off. Yeah, and the police just keep, like, moving the head or, like, trying to, like, discard it. It was so funny. Like, I got the sense that maybe he caused maybe, the accident. Maybe, yeah. You know, it's, like, very unclear. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they, that's where, like, their meat cute is, is. And is she still, like, mid, like, spiral, Totally, right? yeah. He's yeah. the thing that kind of, like, pulls her out pulls of Pulls her out, yeah. And he's, oh, like, sure. this, you know, very good-looking, like, very suave, charming man. With a who, sweet car. With a sweet car. Yeah, a vet. He's, like. That white vet. Like that. Yeah. Um, so then they go and they fuck and she's like, please be gentle with me. And he's very sexy. I don't know. He is. Um, and then they like gloat at, um, the husband and Mink Stoll are like having, they're having issues. They like break into the house or something. Well, so that, okay. Is that later? This is later, I think. So yeah, the, the, oh yeah, they drive by Mink Stoll and her husband. Yeah. Cause they're like trying to pump air into a tire. Right, right, right. Um, so now, uh, Francine and Todd Tomorrow are a couple. They, 
oh, and he, like in juxtaposition with her husband, he is the proprietor of a very fancy art house drive-in theory <laughs> theater where people are shucking oysters and oh eating caviar God, right. and all this stuff. So, so it's like, good. you know, her husband is this, this sleazeball. And then he is like, you know, artistic. She's, she's reading. He's the opposite of her. Yeah, like the yeah. actual opposite. She's reading an issue of Cahiers de Cinema yeah, in the lobby. And just looking at it like, like, what, what the fuck is, is this? this? Yeah. Oh, I love um, it. Yeah. That's what's great about John. Cause he is, he is like such a film snob, yeah. even though like his movies are so like, quote unquote trashy yeah. but he's like totally versed in like so much like if you ever read a John Waters top 10 list of the year mm-hmm. it's all these like very obscure artsy movies that you've never heard of <laughs> and then he'll have one he'll have like you know this weird French movie that you've never heard of like you know a Russian movie a South Korean movie and then it'll be like Mamma Mia 2 <laughs> um, like okay cool and then, perfect yeah. uh, so you think you know everything's perfect but then immediately Todd tomorrow there's some uh, there's some question marks about him. Yeah. Like he's doing a lot of he's doing a lot of coke. He's so much coke. Yeah, doing. I and that's another thing. I must I must have like seen this as a teenager, and I think it just went over. I don't remember any of these sure. this coke part. But also, like I feel like there was coke all over the movies in the eighties. I guess right? I think I was probably pretty like uh, like sheltered with. I don't know. I watched these type of movies, but I like I never watched uh, you know Goodfellas or anything until I was an adult. Mm. Um, so I. I really didn't learn about cocaine till college. And then, wow. boy, did then I learn about it. We were off to the yeah. <laughs> um, But yeah, like, uh, so, and then you see him interact with the mother. Oof. And so you think there's some, oh, and then there's, you talk of, you know, her trying to get some money from her. It's, the, the end of the movie is very confusing. It's, it's very, there's a lot of plot. Yeah, in the last... of, yeah, which is very strange. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it turns out he's like, uh, in cahoots with the mom trying to get money so he's not really in love with Divine and then at the end they all sort of try to kill each other and I think um, Divine ends up like backing over both the mother and Tab Hunter with her car oh, yeah. and by then her kids have been rehabilitated because the son you know went was yes. went to the insane asylum yes. and came back came back in a suit and then the daughter is like a hippie and does macrame I really like I like that we spend a lot of time in the problem and then they're like oh yeah th- and then things work yeah, out yeah, yeah. I like that that and that last scene where there's just like how how is this gonna get wrapped up like there's all this fighting and it's like oh she's just gonna get in her car and run him over perfect cool. great I don't want a drawn out no uh, no no yeah it was long enough I mean it's like eighty six minutes but this is no about it like totally it works but like oh yeah of course the solution is this movie is just oh she actually just runs them both over with her car. yeah fantastic yeah and then it's like fade to black she's with the kids and she's with Cuddles and Cuddles uh, marries her butler. Oh, when the butler proposes, yeah. it was just so exciting for I just got so excited for Cuddles. Um, that her, and it was just perfect for her that, like, her butler proposed to her. And that was, like, exactly what she wanted, and that was just right for her. Yeah, she at, had, Was that at her debutante ball? Yeah, I think so, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. So, she, yeah, she's dressed. And Edith Massey's never looked so beautiful at this debutante ball. She's in this white gown. She's like and, Queen Victoria, yeah. Yeah. I mean, after, like, a decade of playing these, like, snaggletooth hags... John Waters finally like lets her look pretty, mm. and it is it is like a very it's nice to see it's, her like that. She had such yeah. a nice yeah. little moment. Um, so that's it. That's like that's polyester. And then what do we end on? We, we end, end on, on just the scene of the car with the two dead bodies and <laughs> and them all just sort of walking back into the house. Oh right, she's like, come on, children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She gets a second chance. Yeah, I guess. Except if the police come looking, I don't. She's gonna have to like dissolve these bodies or something. Yeah, she can do it. Yeah, she can. She can do anything. She can do anything. Bury him in the backyard. Um, oh, the, I love also like the further, like depths of alcoholism that she gets into. Mm-hmm. The more cuddles thinks she's being cute. She's like, oh, you're so cute, drinking all that stuff. Like, she keeps giving her airplane yeah, give, bottles. Yeah, airplane <laughs> bottles. Yeah, it was so great. And she's like, and because her mother gives her uh, like gasoline. an airplane bottle full of gasoline, and oh, you see her. And, it, it probably really was gasoline. Jesus Christ, uh, yeah. But, oh God, everyone is so horrible to her. And it's just so fun watching her just being shat upon. Just it's, take yeah, it. Just, yeah. Oh, no one's, she suffers so yeah, beautifully. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, uh, yeah, I really loved it. And I really think like w- doing it with um, a drag queen is so much more effective because of like the comment on the femininity and like, you can get an outside like watching an action watching like a biological woman like suffer in that way is probably not as fun. Yeah, right? yeah. You, there's a, a level of like artifice or separation yeah. you can have, and, and you could really just pile on the humiliation and the shit and the 
fat shaming and yes. just like just the abuse you can just pile it on because we are one step removed you, and you know that this is divine and divine already has this established reputation and you're like she can take this and this is fun to watch so just like get load her up yeah and like no matter how much she suffers divine the character of divine is like the most powerful person like she's mm. always you can tell like she's not, she's game for everything yes and, yeah and i don't know like if if there was a bio woman doing it I think there could be, you know, an actress that obviously would be as powerful and could could pull it off. For sure. But like the, um, yeah, the, the 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 camp, the the sort of separation of because the movie or the characters in the movie are so misogynist. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it would be maybe a little more queasy inducing. Yeah. But like, and I don't agree with this at all. But there's some people that think like you know drag in and of itself is misogynist or like you're making fun of of women are making light of their, um, like their place in society. Oh. And yeah, I don't, I mean, I'm not a woman, like I, I don't know how to respond to that, but like, what do you, I don't know. What do you think about that? I don't find drag to be misogynist. Yeah, I, I, don't. I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like when it works best for me is when it's like a send up of, of femininity of like classical yeah. femininity or of this sort of packaged version of womanhood that we've mm-hmm. been, Handed. Yeah, because women have to create characters of femininity every day right. to live their lives. Oh, yeah. So it's like, like it's all a construct anyway. Totally. And I grew up a Southerner, uh-huh. always being told um, like that I wasn't wearing enough makeup. <laughs> uh, not just within the home, outside the home as well. Like I had, a, I had a mom who like, she's beautiful and she wears makeup well and she well, likes yeah, it. Yeah. And so from the time I was old enough to wear makeup, she was like, let's put some makeup on yeah. you. Like it was, it's a fun thing for her. And I wish it was just not ever my jam, really. And but it, I it affected, and I obviously she wasn't trying to do this, but it definitely like made me question my femininity. Mm-hmm. Like, am I enough? I don't know if I'm enough of a woman because like I see these girls everywhere around me growing up in the South that have the hair, the outfits, the nails, the body, like all of it on lock. Yeah. And so I always felt like a little bit of an outsider, a little bit like I don't. I don't know fully what I am because I don't fit this one model of yeah. femininity that we see. Like when I was little, my mom loves to tell this story. When I was probably like four or five, they were buying me shoes. And my mom was like, oh, look, they're strawberry shortcake ones. They're pink and they're white, whatever. And I was like, no, I want those. And they were like Spider-Man. They were super friends. It was Spider-Man, wow. Superman, and Wonder Woman. And they were boys' shoes. And they had like red and blue and yellow. And my mother and I like had a battle in the shoe huh. store. Because I wanted those cool looking shoes yeah. and she wanted me to wear the girly shoes. Finally, my dad was like, Jesus Christ. Buy them. Yeah. But like that was sort of set the tone for me. Yeah. And so to see people really like dive in and exploit and like uh, blow out conventional femininity, I find it really, uh, I find it really entertaining. I find it. It's sort of like cath- cathartic. cathartic. Yeah. yeah to totally. see. Because all, yeah, all these, all these things that women, I mean like that both or any gender is taught to like be, you know, be more of a boy, be more of a girl. Mm-hmm. And it's all so absurd yeah. if you look at it and to like, to just see, yeah, someone poke fun of that at, at that stuff. And like your, I don't know, your story, it, it does seem like the mirror image of a lot of stories of like little gay boys too, like sure. picking the, the, the pink shoes instead of the Spider-Man shoes yeah. and like seeing all the boys around them, you know, being good at sports and like being able to relate to each other on that level mm-hmm. and feeling alienated, uh, yeah. So, guys, everyone's a fucking outsider. Or <laughs> everyone please. on my podcast just, is an outsider. <laughs> yeah, please take off. Um, just be yourself, y'all. Yeah. Just do what feels right. Uh, um, so, yeah, I love it. Great. Because it just reminds us, like, <laughs> this is all fake. Yeah. It's all fake. Anyone can do it. A guy fucking can walk in here with, a, you know, like, five o'clock shadow and, like, his dick and balls and like in 20 minutes become the most gorgeous feminine thing you've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah. It's all fake. Let's all just let ourselves off the hook. And I, I love like, uh, like divine and, and, um, do you know, uh, Jackie Curtis was like one of the Warhol superstars oh, who okay. she was also her. She has a documentary about her called superstar in a house dress. Mm. And so she was like, not like divine, but would have five o'clock shadow and not be super feminine. Cool. And I, I love that style of drag. Yeah. And like, I don't, uh, at least on like Drag Race, um, there was a person who was who was like on an episode of Drag Race, uh, Love Connie, mm-hmm. this season that was like a coach for the dancing, 
and she was not a contestant, but she she's like a local LA drag queen who has like a full beard oh, and cool. is just like wears like jean shorts. And like I love all styles of drag, but the, I feel like that sort of gender bendy, not super feminine, where mm-hmm. you're not trying to like quote unquote pass, sure. is like so cool. And yeah, yeah I, like I want to see that sort of come back into style. Absolutely, and I feel like we're ready for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, so camp like camp. Let's define camp, Amy. Can we please? This, uh, this is like so obvious. Because I, I think I, I was uh, emailing with someone else who might be on the podcast. And he was looking at the list of movies. And he was like, I don't understand how a lot of these movies are camp. Uh-huh. But like, I think Paul Rowan, this guy that wrote these books, he defined, he basically says in the intro to the book, he just defines camp as having intrinsic interest to homosexuals. Mm. So he's not going by like the Sontag, like proper definition of sure. camp. But I think polyester like whatever definition of camp you (laughs) said this is this yeah this fulfills it across the board yeah yeah well because those those douglas Sirk movies were camp too yeah and they were like like maybe unintentional well i don't know i think douglas Sirk himself at least uh had like he he had like an aesthetic eye and he he knew that you know these were bright colors and melodramatic situations um I think he knew, I don't know if he would say that it was camp, but he knew that it was sort of elevated Heightened, uh, yeah. emotions. I'm not sure about the act, some of the actors in the movies are, and definitely like the audiences of, sure. I don't want to take anything away. Like I'm sure these people were very smart, but I'm just generalizing, you know, middle America, uh, you know, housewives and, and husbands and people seeing sort of a romantic movie. I'm not sure that they were picking up on, on the, the signals of camp. Probably not. But literally you could sit down a little baby a hundred-year-old woman, someone from any culture in the world, and show them polyester, and they would say, that's fucking camp. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Um, Here's my question for you, camp-related. Did you think at all when the Met Gala came out about what you would have worn if you had gone? Because I Oh, my God. I feel like I had a good answer for this, and now... It's going to tie into my... Okay, so I'm going to try to remember as I talk. Okay. I remember thinking, like, most of the people there, instead of doing something campy, they were referencing something that was campy. So like they would do an outfit from Valley of the Dolls. Yeah. Or an outfit. So I'm like, cool. But what is, I guess maybe what I would do is be as butch as possible. Ah. And like wear, I don't know, like, like a, I don't know, baseball uniform or like, but not, that's like too, I don't know. So like you would a, try to actually be camp yeah, instead of like just re- yeah. referencing it. Oh, I like that. I don't know. Um, that's a really good question. What about you? What would you have worn? I, well, I would have, then this ties into you told me to bring a, a suggest a movie. Yes. Um, I think I would have tried, you know, assuming if I got invited to the Met Ball, that I would be a person of some sort of social status. For sure, yeah. I would have reached out to um, the House of Versace. Okay. And asked for a dress. As Donatella. Yeah. And asked for a dress um, that was just the logo, the the showgirls poster. Oh, cool! Of like her body, that you know, like that, oh yeah, that, the one like her body that's the out. S, and then on the back, I would have had them write, "It's Versace." Cute. Um, I couldn't believe that no one brought showgirls. Uh, into yeah, that I don't think anyone did a showgirls um, reference. For me, that like, and I get that my references are like not classical, but for me, showgirls would be my. Uh, it is like my high camp gold standard. Absolutely. I think current day. So yeah. So these books, uh, I guess the, the second volume of these books, um, came out in 1997, but all the movies that he talks about are 1994 and before. So showgirls didn't make the cut, but I agree with you that that is the gold standard for, uh, for, I don't know, our generation. Modern like, day camp. Yeah, yeah. Modern day camp. And I would love to spend another hour talking about showgirls cause it's so fascinating. Yes. Um, that's a movie. Did you see it when it came out? You know, I didn't. Uh, I was, I think it was in college. I remember it was that time where I was like very distrustful. I think I, I, I think I avoided it for the right reasons. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. at the moment it would have just made me angry. Yeah. Um, and but so then by the time I watched it, I could be like, oh, the, look at these fuckers! Look what these fucking idiots have done. I was able to see it as like the um the giant mess, but uh-huh. at the time it would have just. I would have just felt bad about it. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I remember sort of anticipating it coming out. And it was NC-17. I was, uh, was in eighth grade or 
ninth grade, but I remember, you know, I loved Saved by the Bell growing up. So I was so excited for <laughs> Elizabeth Berkeley that she got a big part in a real movie. And so I remember me and my friend you were, not were obsessed audience. with Saved by the Bell. We both obviously turned out to be gay, but we were oh, like, you know, we'd me. read Entertainment Weekly and be like, oh my God, Showgirls yes. is coming out. How are we going to get to see yes. it? Like, who's going to take us? We can't like, we, we I, I don't even think we had so hopes fun. that we could see it because it wasn't even R where you had to have a parent. Right. We literally could not get a ticket to it. Yeah. But we were like rooting for it so bad. Ooh. And then it was like this huge bomb. Yes. And I just remember feeling just pure sadness for her. Oh my God. This Uh, is so cute. (laughs) You know, when they showed it at the cemetery a couple of years ago, my friends were there and Elizabeth Berkeley showed up and she had this like great redemptive moment. Yeah. She, uh, she She apparently she burst into tears because she, it it really did fuck her up. I cannot imagine. Um, Not just her career, but like her whole life. Like it, it, cause she was bland. And this is another thing about exploitation. Paul Verhoeven and, oh yeah, you don't like, see, and Joe Esterhaus. Uh, Joe Esterhaus is, is true trash. True trash. Uh, Paul Verhoeven, I think, is a genius. I've, I will give you some of them. I am not a fan of uh, what L. That, L. Yeah, no, I love thank L. you. But uh, I've seen, there's some of his stuff that I can hang with. I also um, just watched Showgirls, which, uh, no, uh, Flashdance. I okay. just rewatched that, which is written by Esterhaus. Oh, yeah. And, like, and that's just, Adrian Line directed it, oh, right? Just, yeah. yeah. Creep of the century. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can really just like put all of his movies just. Uh, if you uh, under the definition of like female gay, the male gaze totally like, totally he's just Except, like the male yeah. gaze's team director yeah like he's like their corporate for sponsor. sure yeah he's like using like camp elements to just be horny yeah <laughs> yeah um, and Flashdance is not good and that character you can see the development from the um, Jennifer Beals character of Flashdance to uh, Nomi and Showgirls oh interesting um, but like the Jennifer Beals character in, in Flashdance, you really are watching it going, has this person recently had like a severe head trauma? Cause she doesn't act like a person. Like she's yeah. just, her emotions wildly yeah. vary. I think. Wait, you're talking about Jennifer Beals yes. or Elizabeth Burley? Well, Cause I feel like both, both of them. Both. And you know what? They became friends. Uh, I think probably because of their traumatic experiences. Cause when Jennifer I, Beals and, and Elizabeth, Elizabeth Berkeley, Berkeley. because when I was, uh, I w- used to work at a, hotel in New York and Elizabeth Berkeley, I think she was renovating her apartment or something. So she lived at the hotel for a couple months. Mm. So I actually got to like speak to her and I went to see a play that she was in and she like at one point like knew my name and said hi, which was really cool. But Jennifer Beals would come visit all the time and they would hang out. So glad they found each other because they both were used and abused in probably very similar ways. Uh, But yeah, Showgirls and I haven't, I haven't seen it in a while, um, but that's one where, the director is on one page and he's not informing his actors of what he's doing and he's he's sort of exploiting them and using them. Yeah, I feel as, like Gina Gershon and Kyle MacLachlan know what movie they're in. Yeah. And I feel like they're the only two. But I, I think that they pulled it off, but I know Kyle MacLachlan even said at the premiere he was flabbergasted <gasps> at the movie. So I don't think he... I think oh, they were sort of trained good and good enough, enough to, yeah. to do it. But And I also think he... Um, Verhoeven wanted Elizabeth Berkeley to look as bad as possible. Really? In yeah, I think I think This is post basic instinct, right? Yeah. Okay. So everyone was like, that movie was such a huge right. hit. And God, I just saw that recently for the first time. Mm. That's a I I thought it was a masterpiece. Yeah. I loved it. But I could see how it's very problematic. <laughs> but I was like, oh this is the epitome of like nineties erotic thriller. You can't yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um but yeah I, I don't I mean I don't know this, but it seems like he was specifically telling her to act crazy. There's um, moments where uh, in in showgirls where she just snaps yeah. for no reason yeah. and has like a freak out. I think she trusted him to like yeah. construct her performance, and for then sure. he like betrayed her. Is I mean, because he he's made so many movies. Like he did he know what he was doing? I think so. Yeah, he has to have because Ugh. he had already made you know RoboCop and Basic Instinct. He was like a very he was a pro, and like then you know now he's working with Isabelle Huppert. Right. So like. Did he think that he was making a good movie is my question. I think he he was the only one, I believe, who made exactly the movie he wanted to You think to that's make. exactly the movie he wanted? Wow. Wow. I, I mean, I don't I know. I believe you. I'm just... Yeah, I don't know. I... Uh, I that's... It's so crazy just because it's so bad. But if that's what he was going for... Yeah, I, th- I, I don't know. And I, 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 I love it for what it is, but it, it is like sort of disturbing to watch and especially... Just you, you just feel bad for Elizabeth Berkeley the whole time. Oh, and then yeah. that that poor friend. Oh, when, that, God. when that brutal well, rape yeah, scene that just discuss, comes up yeah, out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. Well, just, yeah. Hopefully, we'll get to do a lot about Showgirls. I'll, at do, some I'll point. come back. We'll, we'll fucking settle <laughs> for in. Sure. 
a good six hour. Can, can you do six hour podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah, just uh, run it at double speed. Okay, great. Um, I think that does it. Yeah, Thank- I, I feel. Yeah, like, uh, I've said my piece. Good. Uh, I'm so glad that you came on this podcast. Um, thank you so much. I'm so glad that we got to watch Polyester because, yeah, I, I don't think I'd seen it in like 20 years. Well, thank you for this gift because I would be walking around here without having seen it. Cool. Um, and I'm honored to be here. Thank you for Thank you. Me. Is there anything you want to plug or any anything going on? No. no. Yeah, cool. I can even <laughs> cut this out. <laughs> We're all, it's the summer. We're not doing shit. Uh, oh all right. So thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. Um, please subscribe on Apple or Spotify, rate us five stars, write a review, tell your friends, any LGBT person in your life, any movie lover, um, get them to listen to high camp and you can follow me at Rucker Bry on Twitter and Instagram. That's R U C K E R B R Y. And I believe at this point I will have, um, special high camp, uh handles as well so that is high camp pod all one word h-i-g-h-c-a-m-p-p-o-d on twitter and instagram uh thank you guys i'll talk to you next week bye